right, hey guys, we're going to uh, jump in uh, this morning to part two of our series, Better. But before we jump in there, hey, I want to uh, introduce myself, if you're new here this morning. My name is Mark, uh, Mark Holmes. I'm the lead pastor here at Summit, and we are just excited to have you guys here today. I feel like I am really loud. Am I really loud? I feel like all I need to do is whisper and you can hear me fine. Let's just do the sermon like this. Is this okay now? It's tremendous. Man, that was loud, right? Okay. I wasn't hallucinating in front of you. Okay. Let's do that all over again. Hi, my name is Mark, and I'm the lead pastor here, and we're so excited to see you. And if today is your very first time here at Summit, if you let us know that it's your first time on your guest, on your connection card that we gave you, and you take it out there to the welcome table after the service today, you get a free car. That's a lie. You actually don't get a free car. But the gift is pretty cool. We do have a cool gift for all of our first-time guests. And if it's your second time here, make sure to hit the welcome table because we got something for you there too. But make sure that you let us know there just by, hey, my name, I'm a first-time guest. Check that box. Take it to the welcome table out there in the lobby. We would love to know that you are, uh, are here with us today, all right? Hey, let's pray. Let's pray this morning. Let's ask God to, uh, to bless our time here together. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning. And God, we just thank you for our worship team. And uh, God, what we just saying that is our prayer. It needs to be our prayer. If it's not our prayer. God, that we would lay down uh, anything that we are holding on to that's holding us back. God, we would lay our kingdoms down. Just think about that line uh, in the song that we just sang where, uh, Jesus, you just invite us to come and die, to follow you. And so, God, I I pray that you would have your way here uh, this morning, God, because we're talking about big things, things that matter, uh, things that could change and revolutionize lives. Uh, And, Father, as people who are here, they've been growing up and they've been going to church their entire life. But for the person who's here and they've never been to church until today, God, you've got something for every person. So don't let us miss it. Don't let us miss it because we might be tired. Don't let us miss it because it might be cold outside. Don't let us miss it because we've got something coming up this week. Help us to be all in right now because, Jesus, you are all in right now. In your name, amen. Amen. Is anybody excited to be here this morning? Anybody fired up to be here? Man, I'm fired up to be here. So, um, So, hey, we are in part two of a series that we're calling Better. And what we're doing in this series, we are talking about how to know God's will, God's plan for your life. And I was thinking about this uh, morning. Let me take a quick survey. How many of you use uh, Google Maps, maybe the map app on your phone, or you still are printing off directions from the Internet before you go somewhere, you use a map? How many of you use some kind of GPS, some kind of navigation to help you travel? Raise your hand. Uh, virtually every single hand goes up, right? I mean, man, listen, I, I just could not, I couldn't go anywhere without some kind of turn-by-turn navigation. I mean, I could barely make it to the bathroom without something telling me how to get there. I mean, I, I just need some kind of turn-by-turn GPS navigation uh, in my life. And and uh, and I, we use Google Maps when we go places uh, and we're traveling. We use Google Maps. And here's what I love about Google Maps. I love that Google Maps not only tells me the turn that I'm about to take, but also on the screen, they let me know the turn that's after the turn I'm about to take. So there's no surprises. You know what I mean? So I know I'm about to take a right, but also on the screen, it's telling me what I've got to do next. So there are no surprises. I'm getting turn by turn. I'm fully aware of what is coming up ahead of me. And if I take a wrong turn, Google Maps doesn't yell at me. 
Right? What, what does she say? She just simply says this. Recalculating. Oh, it's all right, sugar. Mine, maybe yours doesn't. Maybe that's what, that's what mine says. But right there, it doesn't get mad. It says, ah, recalculating. We'll do it again next time. You know? I just love that. I was thinking about that, uh, what we're going to do this morning. And I was thinking, man, how great would it be if God was kind of like that? Right? Wouldn't it be great if God was kind of like Google Maps and just gave you turn-by-turn navigation so that you just knew absolutely every single thing that was coming up and exactly what God wanted you to do? Wouldn't that be great? You know, you put your feet on the floor and God says, put your pants on. You know? Take a shower. Go to work. You know, and, God, and you know, you're, you're single. You're looking to go. You're looking for somebody that, you know, to be with, to date, potentially marry. Don't ask her out. She thinks you're a loser. You know? But her friend is pretty desperate. Go for her. You know? I mean, so it would just be great if God would, would do things like that. Should we take this job? Sure. Should we go there? Yes. Should I go to that college? No. You know, it would be great if God... Would do that. Now, now, we all know God doesn't do that, okay? And the reason that God doesn't do that, I mean, if God just laid it all out for you, here you go, here's absolutely every single thing you need to know to navigate life, well, then you wouldn't have to live by faith. You wouldn't really have to lean into him. You could just check the GPS that he gave you, and God wants you to live by faith. But God is not like Google Maps, and, and I don't know about you, but when I first became uh, when I first got saved, I got I, I became a Christian when I was 18 years old. And really quickly after I became a Christian, people started talking to me about the will of God that I needed. To, I needed to know the will of God for my life. I needed to figure out. People would tell me what God's plan was for my life. And the way that people would describe to me the will of God, it was as if God had this massive plan for the universe and my life, and it all depended on whether or not I could figure out what God wanted me to do next, right? Like God has this massive, mysterious will. God's got this plan for you, and if you make one wrong move, the universe just collapses. Have you ever heard of it like that? If you marry the wrong person, you're out of the will of God. If you take the wrong job, you go to the wrong school, you take the wrong direction, you do the wrong move, you are out of the will of God. God's plan for your life is over. It is ruined. And here's the good news. The good news is that the Bible never says the will of God works that way. The Bible says that God's plan for your life is actually far more stable than simply you being able to make good decisions. Actually, God is in control of the plan for our lives, and God is in control of the plan for the universe. I would amen that if I were in your position, that God is on the throne this morning. Anybody amen that? Man, amen that God's in control, not me. Okay? So here's what I want, here's what I want to do this morning, because maybe that's you. Maybe you are just at this place in life where you feel like everything is so fragile, and you you are one wrong move away, or maybe you just feel like you just keep making wrong moves. Here's what I want to do today. Today, I want to talk to us about the pathway to an indestructible life. So if you're taking notes, maybe you've got it open on our app, it should say that. If you're writing things, maybe down in a journal, just a sermon title today, The Pathway to an indestructible life. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bible uh, on your phone or if you've actually got a copy of, of uh, God's Word, the Matthew chapter 7. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 24 through 27. And this is actually a really familiar passage of Scripture. You've probably heard something of this passage, even if you've never been to church before. There's going to be some familiar imagery in here. So Matthew 7 
24 through 27. And before we read it, let me set the stage here just to put this in context. This is at the very end of the longest sermon we have in the Bible from Jesus. This sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount. You've probably heard of the Sermon on the Mount before. It starts in Matthew chapter 5 and it goes all the way through Matthew chapter 7. Now, this sermon was actually probably a whole lot longer, but as Matthew is taking notes, he's keeping score, keeping track of what Jesus is saying, Matthew basically gives us the highlights, okay? Well, what we have here in the Bible is the highlights of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, uh, it's, it's Matthew 5 through 7, if you want to read it this week. But Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, closes this sermon with an illustration, It's actually called a parable. A parable is a made-up story meant to teach a spiritual truth. Watch what he says here. Watch this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, does them. Everybody say does. Does them. Will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not, everybody say does not, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now watch this. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, we're actually going to be in a lot of verses this morning. This is kind of going to be our launching pad, these verses right here. But I want us to see a couple of things here this morning before we really dive in to where we're going to go this morning. Jesus tells this story at the end of this long sermon. Again, the longest sermon we have from Jesus. Jesus tells a story, and, and, and the whole point of this story is simply this. Jesus says, listen, anybody who hears what I say and does what I say, You will be like the first man. But anybody who hears what I say and does not do what I say, maybe you agree with it. Maybe you think that it's really nice. Maybe you'll save it for a rainy day. Maybe you'll see if you can get somebody to put it on a blanket for you or you've got it on a coffee mug, but you don't do it. Well, you'll be like the second man. Did you notice, though, that the man who built his life on, on Jesus' word and the man who didn't build his life on Jesus' word, did you notice that the storm still came into both their lives? Did you notice that the storm still came, the winds still came? See, life is going to happen to you. Did you know that? Did you know that Christians get cancer? Did you know that the world falls apart for Christians? Did you know that there are Christians who walk with God and love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and their marriage still falls apart? Did you know that? See, see, a relationship with Jesus does not give you a pass on suffering. Life is going to happen to all of us. The difference is what you're building your life on. Okay? Because the wind's going to come. What's going to determine whether you're going to stand when the wind comes is what you're building your life on. And Jesus says the whole point of this story is that he wants to tell us a story, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine, and here it is, I had you say it, does them. See, James chapter 1 verse 22 says, do not be hearers of the word only, deceiving yourselves. Instead it says this, be doers of the word. Don't just hear what the Bible says. Don't just listen to this sermon and walk out saying, man, I agreed with that preacher. That's good, right? Mm." Have you ever noticed that Christians, when you get saved, all of a sudden you begin to make noises that you would never make in your life, right? Like when somebody says something about God you agree with, Christians make this noise. Mm. Mm. Right? Like I don't know if you've got gas or what. I don't know what it is. Mm. I hear sometimes when I'm preaching. Mm. 
right? Like, I don't know, it's like maybe you need to back away because there's probably a smell about to come from that person. I don't know what just happened, right? That preacher's true, man. What he said is right on. Preach, amen. And you don't do it. You believe the Bible's true and you don't do it. You can talk to people about the Bible, but the Bible isn't changing you. You have a problem. Do you understand this? This is the difference between religion and Jesus. Religion says, religion says the right thing, does the right thing, but religion does not lead you to a personal relationship with Jesus because religion is all about what you're doing. Jesus is all about what he did for you. And listen, Jesus did not give us the Bible for information. Jesus gave us the Bible for transformation. So see, see, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The pathway to an indestructible life is to build it on God's indestructible word. The pathway to an indestructible life is to build your life on God's indestructible word. So there's a good crowd here this morning, several of you I don't know, and, and maybe, maybe you're new to church, maybe you're new to this church, maybe you've grown up in church. I don't know where you're at spiritually. I'm going to say something right now that, that could potentially open up a big can of worms, uh, and, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But here's what you need to know. See, some, I want you to get this. I want to be real clear about where our church is this morning. You need to know this. This is, this book right here, this is the voice of God on a page. You have got to know that. You've got to know that. This does not contain the Word of God. As if some parts of it are the Word of God and other parts of it are not the Word of God. It is all the Word of God. Do you understand that? It isn't that some parts are true, others are not true. This is the voice of of God on a page. Theologians call the Bible the revealed will of God. And so many times we look at our lives and we think, man, I wish that God would tell me what to do next. I don't know. Why hasn't God told me what to do? Why has God left so much of our lives mysterious? And listen, God has not said a lot about our lives. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of decisions that you're going to have to make that God doesn't say anything about in this book. But listen, make no mistake about it. God has said a lot in this book. That there's a lot that God has said in here. In fact, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to who? Us. Five of you are in. And to our children. How long? It went up to 15. That we may do all the words of this law. See, the, th- the secret things belong to the Lord. Secret things like what? Where you go to school. What decision you should make. Should you marry that person? Listen, if you're a heart doctor, you can't open up the Bible and discover how to do heart surgery, can you? You can't. You can't. See, the Bible is completely 100% accurate. It is 100% true about every single thing that it talks about. There are a lot of things. The Bible can't tell you whether or not you should go there on vacation. The Bible can't tell you whether or not you should take that promotion. The secret things belong to the Lord. But the things that are revealed belong to who? You and me. I can train my kids in it. I can talk to you about it. There are a lot of things that God has made clear. God's voice on a page. God has spoken in this book. God has revealed a lot of things in this book. And they belong to you 
and to me. See, the pathway to an indestructible life is to build it on God's indestructible word. I can say that another way, and maybe this will help you understand it far better. It should be up on the screen here. If we focus on what God has revealed, he will take care of everything else. If you and I, if we focus on what God has revealed in this book, then all of the other things that God hasn't told us about, all of the other things that are so mysterious, a lot of the things that you and I want to know, those things will be taken care of because God will take care of them if you and I will take care of what God has revealed. If we'll focus on what God's revealed, God will take care of everything else, church. I promise you that's true. Listen, do not underestimate the word of God's power in your life. I mean, the voice of God spoke creation into, into existence. It, it, was the, it was the voice of Jesus that walked up to Lazarus' tomb, told him to get up, and what happened next? He got up. He came out. The walking dead is a reality. People are peeing all over themselves because the dead man came back, right? When Jesus comes back, Jesus is going to defeat the devil. Do you know how? The Bible says that when he comes back, he will have a sword in his mouth. What does that mean? Simply by a word from Jesus, he will defeat his enemy. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is powerful. Look at your neighbor say, the word of God is powerful. Five of you just did that. Here's why. Because some of you are not convinced. Some of you have heard this word before. Some of you have heard sermons like this before. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't know if this is really the voice of God on a page. I had a professor one time that told me that after thousands of years of translation, we actually lost the original meaning to this. And that guy seemed pretty accurate. I mean, he had more degrees than a thermometer. I I watched a documentary on the History Channel one time that told me that, yeah, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but there are other Gospels that they didn't include in here, and we actually can't know if this is true or not. Mark, I I just have doubts about this. Listen, you come back next week. Next week, we're going to dive into some things, but can I just ask you to do something for the next seven days? Would you be up for something for me? If that's you and you doubt whether or not this is the Word of God, can I ask you to do something? Would you doubt your doubts for seven days? What if your professor was wrong about this book? What if you are wrong about this book? What if the celebrity that you follow on Twitter who disregards this book, what if that celebrity is wrong? What if the History Channel is wrong about this book? Would you take seven days? Here's this, here's this. What if, say, you just began to read the book of Mark, 16 chapters? What if tomorrow you just started to read a chapter a day just to see what might happen in your life? But for seven days, again, come back next week. Would you doubt your doubts? Maybe this is true. Maybe this is the voice of God on a page. See, some because there's a lot of things that God hasn't told you about your life, but there's a lot of things that God has said. There's a lot of things that God has revealed. In fact, what I want to do this morning, if I could take the entire Bible 
and sum it up into three things that God is absolutely clear on. From Genesis to Revelation, three things that God is absolutely clear on all the way through the Bible. And if you and I will focus on the three things that we're about to talk about, I promise you God will take care of everything else. Do you agree with me? Do you believe that? I believe that. I promise if you will take care of the next three things, God will take care of everything else. So if you are not a note taker, you need to be a note taker today and write these three things down, all right? First thing that God is absolutely clear about in the Bible is glory. Everybody say glory. Glory. Glory, namely what? Our lives are to be about his glory, not ours. Our lives about his glory, not mine. I got several verses that I want to work my way through here this morning. So if you are taking notes, I want you to write these verses down. Glory, God is absolutely clear all the way through the Bible about glory, that your life and mine are to be about his glory, not our own. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. In Isaiah 43, verse 7, God says that you and I, all of us in the room, we were created for God's glory. So you are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Isn't that good news? You are not trash. You are not somebody who just exists. You're taking up space with no purpose. No, you were made by your creator, God, who made everything for his glory. Out of the gate, God says that Mark Holmes was not made for the glory of Mark Holmes. Mark Holmes was created by God for God's glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10 says that we are saved for God's glory. We, we are saved for the glory of God. In fact, those verses actually say that we are saved to the praise of his glorious grace. So God does not save anybody because we're good. In fact, Romans chapter 3 says that, says that no one's good. Did you know that? Romans 3 says that because of our sin, no one is good. Listen, sin does not make me bad. Sin makes me dead. Dead towards God. That's why every time somebody gives their life to Jesus, it is nothing short of a resurrection. God is bringing dead people back to life. So God doesn't save us because we're good. God doesn't save you because you're at church today. God doesn't save anybody because of what their grandparents did, their parents did. God saves us completely because of what Jesus did for his glory. We were created for God's glory. We're saved for God's glory. And then, just in case God misses any category of our lives, God says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, it's not up there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 says this, whether you eat, whether you drink, whether you sleep, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do that for the glory of God. So when we talk about the glory of God, what do we mean? When we talk about the glory of God, we simply mean that we want God to be lifted up in our lives. We want God to be the main point of our lives. So if I could take my life like a spotlight and aim it on something, if I want God to be glorified, I'm going to aim my life at him. I want the main point of my life, I want the biggest thing in my life to be the glory of God. The Westminster Confession of Faith, one of the greatest and clearest declarations of what Christians have believed throughout the centuries, begins this way. It's already up here. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What's that mean? It means you were created by God for his glory, and your purpose is to bring God glory. 
I mean, think about this for just a second. Do you really think, and listen, when we say that, when we talk about making our lives for the glory of God, living a life for the glory of God, living a life for the glory of God is not a perfect life, is it? Amen? It's not because there are no perfect people, right? Listen, a life that glorifies God, when you sin and you blow it, you don't run away from him, you run to him. That glorifies God. When you sin, you repent and you walk back into him and you restore that fellowship that you have in your relationship with Jesus. You don't run from him, you run to him. That's a life that glorifies God. And listen, if you make your aim in your life to glorify God, do you really think that one day you're going to die and stand in front of God and God's going to look at you and say, you bonehead? You did it all wrong. I didn't want you to be about my glory at all. Glory at all. No, God is going to say that was the point. Listen, if we will focus on God's glory today, he'll take care of tomorrow. Did you know that? If you and I will focus on God's glory today, he will take care of tomorrow. Let me give you a question you should ask before you do anything. Some of you, you've got a big decision. You know 2016 is going to be a year, maybe a big year for you and your family, a potential move, something's got a gift. Let me give you a question you need to ask before you do anything. Write this down. It's so simple, but it can change everything. Will this glorify God? If you begin to date that person, will it glorify God? Your friends are pressuring you to do something. If you do it, will it glorify God? Will it glorify God if you watch that movie? Will it glorify God? If you listen to that kind of music, will it glorify God? If you read that book, will it glorify God? If you marry them, if you take that promotion, if you move there, if you do that, will this glorify God? See, the first thing that God is absolutely clear about is, that is, is glory, that our lives are for his glory and not ours. Second thing that are, that's absolutely clear in the Bible is kingdom. Kingdom. That our lives are for his kingdom, not our own. Our lives are for God's kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus is building, not my kingdom. Right now in my quiet times, every single day when I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm reading real slow, maybe a couple paragraphs or or one chapter at a time, and and I'm just reading real slow. This morning, I started to read through the Gospel of Mark, and in Mark chapter 1, the very first thing Jesus says is this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, in in the Lord's Prayer, we all know the Lord's Prayer, right? You know the Lord's Prayer. What does Jesus tell us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? Your what? Come. Your kingdom, come. See, the moment you give your life to Jesus, Jesus begins to build his kingdom in your life. Jesus begins to build his kingdom in your life. And see, a kingdom has a king. And who is the king in Jesus' kingdom? Easiest question of the day. We don't know. I'm going home. I'm done. I think Walmart's hiring. Who is the king in Jesus' kingdom? It's Jesus. Just say Jesus. Three of you still don't, only three know? It's Jesus. Jesus. Jesus! Starts with a J, ends with Jesus. Jesus! Listen, listen, this is not in the script. Anybody ask a question in church, if you just say Jesus, 90% of the time it's a win. Dude, right? Are you, glad, are you glad to be at church? Jesus, that'll still work. It'll still work. It won't work tomorrow at school. It'll be weird. Here it works. Right? Who's the king in Jesus' kingdom? Jesus. Thank you. That's why the Bible says Jesus is Lord. Listen, we'll talk more about this next week. 
I'm convinced one of the things, one of the things, one of my prayers for this church is that you would read this book. Is that you would read this book because this book is the voice of God on a page. But can I get real with you for just a moment? Listen, when you read this book, there are going to be things in this book that you disagree with. There are going to be things in this book that tick you off. There are going to be things in this book that you won't like. There are going to be things in this book that if you wrote this book, you wouldn't say it. There are things in this book that the culture laughs at. There are things in this book that your coworkers, your friends at school, they will laugh at you if they knew you were even thinking about those things. There are things in this book that when you read them, they are going to confront ideas that you've had for your entire life and tell you that your grandparents were wrong, your parents were wrong, you are wrong. Here's my question. What will you do in that moment? It all comes down to whose king. It all comes down to whose kingdom do you want your life to be about? Do I want my life to be about my kingdom? Or do I want my life to be about Jesus' kingdom? Whose kingdom do you want more in 2016? Yours or Jesus' kingdom? Because listen, at the end of the day, only one stands. You got to know that. At the end of the day, only one stands. See, God couldn't be any clearer that our lives are for his glory, not ours. That our lives are for his kingdom, not ours. And number three, if you're writing these down, mission. God is absolutely clear about mission. That our lives are for his mission and not ours. See, the world that we live in, it has a mission for your life. You know this, right? The world that we live in has a mission for your life. And that mission, can. a lot of people, I don't know how you sum up that mission. Maybe you call the mission the American dream. Or maybe for you, that mission is just simply to get into the best school so that you can get that kind of job, so that you can make that kind of money, so that you can retire early. Some of you, that's your mission, retirement. You gotta have $5 million to retire. That's what they say, I don't know. They don't really say that, I made that up. See, the world that we live in has a mission for your life. You don't even have to try hard to get in on that mission. Some of us, we've just heard this all of our lives. We've just adopted this as our mission. There are people who fill churches every single Sunday, sing the songs, and lift their hands, and they're trying to fit Jesus into their mission. And listen, listen, there is nothing wrong with the best schools. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with retiring early. I pray that you do get in the best schools so that when you get in that school, you can leverage it for God's glory. I pray that you get that promotion so that when you get that promotion, you can leverage all of that influence for Jesus' kingdom and not your own. Amen? I pray that you get all the influence and all the accolades. You need to go for it. Why? Because our lives aren't for our glory, but they're for his. Our lives aren't for our kingdom. They're for his. And our lives aren't for our mission. They're for his. Listen, there has never been anyone in the history of humanity more focused on a mission than Jesus Christ. And just before Jesus ascended into heaven, in John chapter 20, verse 24, Jesus says, just as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. 
See, we all have been called, sent by God on a mission to take the message of Jesus to a world that needs it. And listen, you can be on the mission of God. You can be on mission at your school. You can be on mission where you work. Missionaries are not just people that pack up everything and leave and go overseas and tell people about Jesus. No, missionaries are right here. There needs to be missionaries in every school in this county. Amen? Man, there needs to be. If there's not, there needs to be. There needs to be missionaries in your neighborhood. Amen? There needs to be missionaries where you work. You can be a missionary at your school. And the way you be a missionary at your school isn't by going to school on Tuesday because you get tomorrow off. Hallelujah! It's not about going to school on Tuesday, getting on the intercom. Can I have your attention? You're all going to hell. Can you meet me in the lunchroom? Sure, everybody's going to hell. Thanks. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, you know how you can be on mission at your school, teenagers? Here's how. Do your homework. Do it well. And make excellency a goal. Why? Because God told you to do everything for his glory. So I'm going to do my work. And I'm not going to just do it to get by. I'm going to do it well because I want people to see Jesus in me. And all the teachers said amen. All right? Hey, you want to know how you can be on mission at your work, where you work? Show up on time. Maybe don't dog the boss on Facebook. Well, I'm on mission where I work. I'm on Facebook right now sharing these pictures of Jesus that say, if you don't share this, you'll go to hell. Do not do that. Oh, my gosh. I've already called Mark Zuckerberg on all of you who are doing that, and we are pursuing you. Don't do that. No. Show up on time. Do your job well. Pray for influence. Pursue that promotion. Pursue every single opportunity. Why? Because you're going to leverage your job for the glory of God. I want people to see Jesus in my life. I want people to see Jesus in my life. Hey, listen, some of you are suffering right now. Some of you are going through the hardest time in your life right now. And did you know that James chapter 1, the Bible says to go through that trial with joy. You can be on mission in the middle of that trial that you don't walk away from God, but instead your faith thrives and it grows. People see that and it makes a difference in their life. Our lives are not about our mission at all. They are about the mission of God. That's what they're about. Listen, the pathway to an indestructible life is to build it on God's indestructible word. So I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Whose life, whose glory, rather, is your life about? Is your life about your glory or God's glory? Whose kingdom is your life about right now? Is it about you and your kingdom? Or is it about Jesus' kingdom? Whose mission is your life about right now? Is it about your mission? Or is it about Jesus' mission? Listen, listen, I've got good news. And the good news is that you don't have to leave today looking at any of those three areas thinking, oh man, I've blown it. My life's been all about me. It's been all about my kingdom. It's been all about my mission. No, listen, this is the voice of God on a page. And do you know what you discover about God when you read what he wrote down? You discover that God loves you with a radical love. Did you know that? 
God loves you with such a radical love that 2,000 years ago he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to purchase your salvation so that you could have a relationship with God. And God is a God full of mercy, full of grace, full of second chance, so that today if you examine your life, say, you know what, I think it's been all about my kingdom. There is enough grace in God so that today you can say, no more, it's about your kingdom. If you look at your life today, man, say, man, most of this has been about my glory. You know what? There is enough grace in Jesus Christ this morning that you can go to him and say, no more. I want it to be about your glory. If you look at your life, say, you know what? My life's been all about my mission, all about my advancement, all about me, me, me. No more. God, I want it to be about your mission. There is enough grace. There is enough mercy. There is enough forgiveness in your heavenly father that you can look at him and say, starting today, it's about your mission. That's why I love that we sang that song today once and for all. I love when Morgan says, I lay it down. Did you hear that? Did you hear that when she sang that? God, I am laying it down. Today when you walked in, you got a connection card. Can you, can you do me a favor? Can you grab that connection card really quick? Just go ahead and grab that card. Just go ahead and grab that card. Go ahead and grab this card. And here's what I want you to do. If you would, I'd love for all of us to do this. I'd love for all of us to do this right now if you've got one of these. Would you take this card? Would you write your name on it? If you would, would you write your name on that card? And then after you write your name on it, would you flip it over? And on the back of that card, there's a, there's a, there's a spot there. There's places where you can put prayer requests or just a lot of blank space on there. Here's what I want to ask you. Which one of those three things did God speak to you about today? Did God speak to you about glory did God speak to you about kingdom? Did God speak to you about mission? Here in just a second, the band's going to come out and play. Tim's going to come out. There's crosses all up here in front of this auditorium this morning. And I'm going to challenge you in just a second. I'm going to pray. I'm going to have us all stand up. And I would challenge you with your name on this card. I want you to write on the back. If God spoke to you about glory, write glory on the back. and Come and lay it down at a cross. God spoke to me today about kingdom. I want my life to be about his kingdom, not mine. Then write kingdom and lay it down. I want my life to be about his mission. Then write mission on the back, your name on it. Walk up to a cross and lay it down. Lay it down. Here's why we're doing that. We're doing that to symbolically say, today I'm building my life on what God has clearly said. God has clearly said he wants to be glorified in me. God's clearly said he wants to build his kingdom through me. God's clearly said he wants me to be about his mission. So today we are laying it down. Now, here's what I'm going to invite us to do. Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you are here and you do not have a relationship with God, you don't know if you will go to heaven, I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a moment. And today you can give your life to Jesus Christ. And before you come up here and lay your card at one of these crosses, I want you to check that box that says, Today I decided to give my life to Jesus. Maybe God's telling you to get baptized. I want you to check that box. But here's what we're going to do today. And as many of you do this as as you be up for And you don't have to do this because a ton of people might do it. I don't know. But with your name on it, on the back, I want you to write down what you're laying down today. You're either laying down your glory for his glory, your kingdom for his kingdom, or your mission for his mission. Let's all stand. Everybody stand up. And I'm going to pray. And here's the deal. As soon as I'm done praying, 
This time a response is open and you don't even need to hesitate. You just go ahead and put whatever you need to do down on this card. Put your name on there and put whatever. I'm laying down my glory. I'm laying down my kingdom. Laying down my mission. You put whatever's on this. But I'm challenging you, no matter where you're at, come up here to one of these crosses and we're laying it down. Jesus, that's our prayer. Because you are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of all glory of our kingdom falling so that yours is left, of us laying down our mission so that we would be about yours. There, is, there are a few things that you have been clearer about, God, than those three. And so, God, we want to build our lives on your indestructible word so that when the storm comes, you'll get glory. When the storm comes, it won't take down our kingdom because we're for your kingdom. And when the storm comes, it won't knock us off mission because we are about your mission. Today, Jesus, we choose to lay it down. In your name, amen. You just come on right now. You just come on right now. You just put your name on there, and whatever God spoke to you, whichever one of those three, you just come up to a cross, and you just lay it down. Say, I'm laying it down right now. You come on. You come on. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. Maybe you didn't get a card. Grab a sheet of paper. Come up here to this cross and pray, whatever you need to do. But I'm challenging you to move today. And just to take that symbolic act, I am laying it down. My glory, my kingdom, my mission. You come on. You come on. Just come. Don't wait. Don't look at what your neighbors are doing or anybody else. You come. You come. As people are coming, you just continue to come. You just continue to come. If you're there in your seat, I want you to be praying and asking God, God, what would you want me to do? God, what do I need to lay down? God, what are you speaking to me about? And we're going to let God have this time right here. We're going to slow down and we're going to let people respond and we're going to let God move. If you need to come up, you come up. Just come on. Just come on. Just come on. I'm laying this down today. If you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, you come up, you put that on that card, you lay it down. People are still moving. Come on. Come on. You know, we're about to wrap up this service in just a moment here. In just a second, we're going to receive our offering. But I want us to pray this morning. And after just laying down on these cards and whatever God's laid in your life, I want this time right here just to be an offering to God. God, I'm surrendering my life to you. So we're going to pray. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do if you're comfortable doing it. As we pray, if you would just lift your hands to God and say, God, I'm surrendering to you today. I'm surrendering to you today, my, my life for your glory, your kingdom, and your mission. Let's all pray. And if that's your heart today, if God's spoken to you in that way, you want to surrender to God today like that, just make that commitment all over again. If God spoke to you about laying down your glory, your kingdom, your mission, just lift your hands as we pray this morning. Lift your hands to God. God, we just lift our hands to you and we make that surrender this morning. We take that step, God. We want to surrender to you. We want our lives, our church, our families, God, our children 
to be about your glory, to be about your kingdom, to be about your mission. God, we want to see schools. We want to see this city. We want to see this region and world transformed. God, we want our lives to be sacrificed to you, to be an offering to you. We surrender to you today. We surrender to you this morning. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Some of us thank God for today, the opportunity to be here. You grab a seat. You grab a seat as our ushers are going to come, as our ushers get in place. Let me say this. A lot of people came up front today, and here's what I want to challenge you to do. Maybe today you made the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to do something today, okay? If you already put that on the back of the card, great, but here's what I want to challenge you to do. If If today... Today, you made that decision to give your life to Jesus. At the table in the back of the auditorium, we've got some free Bibles and a book called Seek First. I want you to grab that book, okay? I want you to grab that so that you can begin to read that and grow in your new relationship with God. If you won't go there, I want you to go to the welcome table. But listen, do not leave until you let somebody know what God did in your life today. We might even need to get some people to stand back there at that Bible table. If we can get one or two people just to go right now to stand there at the table with the Bibles and seek first books, just go on back there right now. Guys, right now we're going to receive our offering. And this is just an extension of what we've done this morning, that we are offering our lives back to God to say, God, you use this. When we give online, when we give here, It goes to the building of God's kingdom. When we give online, when we give here, it goes to the advancement of the mission of Jesus to change the world. And so we give in faith today. We give out of joyful hearts that we get to be a part of what God is doing. Let's pray for our offering today. Father, we thank you so much for every person that gives. God, bless them as they give. God, I pray that right now you would take what's given here, what's given online through this week, and God, use it to bring people into a relationship with you. Use it to serve this city. God, I thank you for families that are going to be impacted, God, because of what's given here. God, I thank you for people that give to impact the construction of our future campus. God, I just thank you for every person that gives in this church. God, use this offering for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our ushers are going to receive our offering. And as they're receiving our offering, I just want to mention a few things to you. First thing that I would mention to you is, you know what? We are at the beginning of a brand new year. And so many times at the beginning of a new year, we try to get new things started in our lives, new initiatives. And you know what? Next week, I'm going to talk to you about one of those things that I would love for our entire church to try to do together. Uh, So come back next week. But let me say this. As we're receiving the offering, if you're watching this thinking, you know what, I'll give next week. Uh, You know what, I'll do that sometime this year. Listen, listen, the devil is always going to tell you that the best time to give is later, not now. Has anybody found that to be true? He will always tell you that. It's later, not now. So let let me just encourage you. Let me just give you a little nudge if I can. Listen, take that step. Did you know that you can download the Summit app in the Android uh, app store, Apple app store? You can download it and give right now online. You can do that through our website. But listen, just go ahead and take the step of giving and watch what God does. Now, let me mention one thing. 
Sunday night, February 7th, is going to be a day that you want to write down because Sunday night, February 7th, our church is having a massive Super Bowl party. Listen, you're going to watch the Super Bowl anyway. Let's all watch it together at the National Guard Armory at 6 o'clock that night, February the 7th. Now, we're asking people who can come, who, who come, we're asking people to bring whatever kind of food you would want to eat during the Super Bowl. So that is like junk food. I'm talking chicken wings. I'm talking stuff that just looking at it, everything inside of you says, no! So let's go, and that's what we want to eat that night. So it's going to be a fun time, 6 o'clock. If you can't bring anything, just come anyway, 6 o'clock to the Armory for the Super Bowl party, February the 7th. Hey guys, listen, this has been an awesome day. Thank you so much for coming. Next week we're going to answer the question, how can I know if God is speaking to me? You need to be here for that. And if today's your first or second time, make sure to visit the welcome table before you leave. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand. Look at the person next to you. Say, I'll see you next week. All right. You guys are dismissed. Love you. See you later.